Jack. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. Oh my gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. As they say in the bayou, les it up on and now, he is Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. You know what it is? Dimly lit room. Dimly lit room. I like it good and dim. Uh, deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound, and today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. To uh, paraphrase a famous quote, let's turn to the sports pages first to read about man's triumph. Uh, you're LSU Tigers, national college football champion. They beat the heck out of the Clemson Tigers. Tiger on Tiger violence. It's tough to watch. I'll tell you what, if you got a struggle in an NFL team, you want that quarterback from LSU. You want him to be on your team next that, year. That kid can chuck the rock. And run. Yeah. He's Honorary. Something. Oh, huh? Or something. Oh, yeah. Beware of the running quarterback, though. Oh, Short yeah. life. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, not literally life. They they generally don't die. Zip Zow, honorary, honorary general manager. The six remaining Democrats will be arguing with each other on TV tonight. Right. How exciting. I, I Here's the two stories that I think are danged interesting. Iran is arresting some people for downing that plane. I, I, I'm assuming they think the rest of the world looks at that and thinks, oh, okay, they're finally coming around and getting their act together. No, the rest of the world doesn't arrest people for making mistakes. Right. That's so unless they purposefully shot down the plane, which I doubt was the case... We we though in the United States, Europe, the other countries that you're trying to make happy, I guess. I don't know what you're who you're trying to make happy, no, but you're just coming off as a theocratic dictatorship. Yeah, it makes you look as crazy as we thought you were last week. Right. That now you're going to arrest a bunch of people for making a mistake and probably behead them or cut off their hands or something because yeah, you're a bunch yeah. of nut jobs. Right. And I like their yeah yeah. It was a mistake. We shot it down, but it, it veered straight toward our most sensitive. And you know, all the radar tracking is there for the world to see. It didn't veer anywhere. It stayed on its flight path. And the other liars. And the other Iran story. It's interesting. The European countries that had been balking at joining in with these stricter sanctions because they want to make money off of Iran. That's how uh, phony the whole Europe thing is. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but They've anyway, been doing that for ages, by the by. They had a choice. Go with Iran or go with the United States, and they chose the United States. They caved last night, and they said, we're on board with the stricter sanctions, even though they don't want to do it. So mm-hmm. there you go. Trump might actually force Iran into something. The only, the only, the only thing that bothers me is um, uh, you got to show me the country over there that has uh, the regime has collapsed and things have gotten better. Which which country is that again? Or, or even friendlier? Well, <laughs> Iraq, which is marginally more cooperative and friendly toward the Western world, the, the developed world, than under Saddam Hussein, at a cost that can't be justified by no. anyone. No. So yeah, well, uh, hmm. And none of the other countries. No, I would hope we, meaning the world, would have learned something from that debacle. And 
you know, if the mullahs, if the current theocracy ever went away, there could be a transition, a reasonably, you know, peaceful transition to something more modern and something more functional. I just think you would hope. I just think the regime could fall, and then you got. Does it end up look like Libya or Egypt for a while oh, or Yemen or whatever for a while? And that would be worse than you got now. And uh, and people would be blaming Trump for tearing apart Iran. So, you know, there, there's no way that would happen because there's way, way, way too much money at stake. Because Iran is a much bigger country with a much bigger economy than like a Libya. And so I think your corporate interests would get involved. I mean, that, that is a giant pot of gold, that country, if its economy could ever come out of the shadows of sanction, sanctions and theocracy and, and hate. Or sanctions and theocracy. Right, exactly. Either one. Right, my favorite comedy team from the 70s. <laughs> Shanks hey. was the guy with the big mustache, for those who don't remember. No? Anybody? No? I thought that was something. Iran's going to arrest these people. That's your settle the world down? Yeah. Be responsible move? Tell you, okay. tell you what, the young Iranians are not digging this whole no, uh, couple of chapters. They're no, hating Oh, it. my God, the video of them tearing down posters of Salamander on the street. Right. Remember last week, posters in the street. Iran united around their national leader that they revered so much. Yeah, BS. I knew it was BS then now, and we really know it's BS now. Right. Especially for the younger set. Right. Another thing, I saw a poll the other day. You always forget how, because um, uh, we're such an old country, how young all those Middle Eastern countries are. Mm-hmm. What happens to all the old people? They die? They're fighting wars? I think they're not good? Or I'm watching Fox News. But anyway, they're so young. Jeopardy. Like, like, for instance, in Iraq, I think it's 60% of the people in Iraq weren't born during the first Gulf War. They have no memory, really, of life before and a lot of them don't even remember life with Saddam Hussein. They yeah. either weren't born or they were children. Right. So all the, they know is they got a crappy government that doesn't do them any good. Yeah, they can't. Uh, they can't say, well, at least the United States got rid of Saddam Hussein. They don't remember that they weren't born. Right. That's interesting. It is. Um. Anyway, I think the lifespan ain't so great in that part of the world for a number of reasons. Excited about that debate tonight. About oh oh boy. Oh, that hit me like a punch. <laughs> Let's introduce everybody on the squad. We got a team member back, so I'm very excited to check in on him. Uh, there's a uh, Michelangelo, our board operator, who presses buttons, flips, toggles, and pulls levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, doing well. I'm keeping up so far on my uh, New Year's resolution of going to the gym regularly. I noticed already, though, that the gym is starting to empty out. A lot of people have already quit. Oh, oh boy. It's mid-January, and uh, definitely... Is like a talk- lot or a little that it started to empty out? I would out. say quite a few, actually. So quite a bit of attrition already. Yep. Well, yep. it is. We're three weeks in, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's time to uh, say, eh, this isn't for me. We're two weeks in. Um, I read that uh, roughly half the people who are doing the dry January thing have dropped out by now, too, which is well, a that's little a, disappointing. That's a little tougher. I mean, I, you, I understand uh, justifying not working out. You're 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 not going to change your lifestyle that drastically, especially if you are not going to the gym at all person. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not going to start going every day and exerting yourself for an hour with an hour of driving each direction and a shower and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> right. But they're just not drinking, I would think you'd, you'd keep with. Yeah, well, that's apparently not. not. Effort. <laughs> yeah. Um, but good for you, Michael. Did you hear the story in the news about the guy who got locked in the gym and called the police? I was trying to decide. Yeah. Would, I, would I call the police or would I? I don't know. I just don't know if I'd call the police. I might just stay there. I think, I, yeah, me too. <laughs> I'd be uh, too embarrassed. Sleep, yeah, exactly. I'd sleep on a bench. I don't know. I'd do the math. Let's see. Do I have time to get out of here when it opens in the morning and get to work? I mean, it's no, like the, the time my dad got stuck up on the roof and my mom threatened to call the fire department. He threatened to jump because he didn't want to be caught. Oh, yeah. I would, I'll would. i break both my legs before you're going to have people come rescue me right. from the roof. Are you kidding? I'm not doing it. Are you kidding? Big, handsome fireman? <laughs> Carrying me down? right now. 
Come on. There's positive Sean back from his fever in his deathbed. His smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. Uh, I am constantly reminded uh, when I get sick how much better soup tastes when you are sick. And I think that's fascinating to me. And improves the flavor of soup. I started feeling kind of a little down towards the end of last week. I ended up going to a bowling alley on Saturday. I'm surprised that didn't help. Those are known for being very <laughs> sterile, healthy, germ-free environments. Sure, yeah, borrowed shoes. Yeah, borrowed shoes, sticking your finger in dark holes of various places. Who knows the last time those things were squirted out? Like it's, that, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so shockingly, that did not uh, that did not aid my recovery. And uh, but I am pleased to be back, and I do take it as a sign or an indicator that I am in the correct field. That I absolutely hate taking sick days off. There are many jobs that I've had where, I don't know, if I step in a puddle, leaving, <laughs> leaving where, no, nope, I can't come in today. I, uh, yeah, i got to use one of my sick days on it. But the the fact that I, I, I feel more sick when I have to use a sick day because I don't like doing that, I think, is a indicator that I've done something right in my yeah, life. Yeah, that's, that's a good point right well, there. Well, you're missed, my lad. Yeah, definitely. We were talking about that after the show. Boy, Sean being gone, we noticed. Jack um, was saying you had the fever. Michael speculated it might be disco fever or possibly jungle fever. <laughs> I think uh, Joe, Gene wants to know whether it was cat scratch fever. Joe hinted towards syphilis. I no, I did not. No, there's tears. Please clap. No, I was trying to suss out to drill down on your vague allegation to see if I could understand what it, you were trying to suggest. I think I said Sean lives somewhat of a wild lifestyle, so we have no idea. And I asked if it rhymes with biphilus. <laughs> I don't think that's putting too fine a point on it. <laughs> Uh, like Costanza said, um, uh, were you on your sick bed or your regular bed? Just your regular bed? <laughs> Just regular bed, yeah. <laughs> well, it'd get crowded in your bedroom if you got a regular bed, your sick bed, and your death bed. Right. I mean, you got to put your death bed up against the wall. I mean, yeah. it's one of those folding ones that yeah. goes right, into the, the wall. Murphy yeah, bed. Yeah, 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 just out of optimism. Yeah. If you got your death bed just out and made, and you're fluffing the pillows, everything, that's not good. No. No. You need a shrink. Right. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, January 14th, the year 29... No, 2020. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Still writing the year of the dog on my checks. All right, here we go. Here's the official opening of the show, according to FCC Rules and Regs at Mark. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. That's the fever you had. If it turns out the old-timey remedies work. Little cowbell on it. <laughs> Will Ferrell was on, I think, to the night show the other night, talking about uh, how uh, that particular actor whose name flitted out of my Christopher head. Walken. Christopher Walken says, you ruined my life. He ran into him somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he said, you ruined my life. I can't go into a restaurant. Yeah, I know. I can't go anywhere. I know. I, I read that. <laughs> More cowbell! Everywhere he goes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, it is, and terrible. <laughs> Uh, how does mailbag look? Oh, it's very nice. It's uh, it's novel. It uh, covers a lot of bases. Um, uh, uh, yeah. great freedom loving quote of the day. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was going to mention uh, there. There's a couple of polls. I don't know. Does anybody want that? Uh, no. probably not. No, no. no. The Which polls? All of them. Oh, okay, okay. They're going to take a poll uh, soon. It's called Caucus Night. That's the one I want to hear. That's a good point. Till then, not a damn word. I'm not the only person that now thinks Nancy Pelosi might be rigging the election against Elizabeth and Bernie by Mm. delaying the impeachment. I'm not the only person with that wacky theory now. It's wacky. Mailbag on the way in that theory on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
There's a new misery index out. Uh, at what age are you most miserable? And uh, <laughs> this is the latest. Let's see. How old am I now? <laughs> oh, wow. Hi, kid. I'm great. I'm you're, great. You're in the zone, though. You're in the zone when people are the most miserable. And it's mm. got to do usually with uh, where you are with your kids and your career and financial stress and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But uh, and then it, starts, about right. then it starts getting better. So some oh. of our listeners, uh, things are going to get worse for you. And some of our listeners, things are on the uh, getting better side. But we'll have that coming up. The only complaint I have is that I am sticking with the dry January thing. Mm. Uh, I have not touched uh, the sauce or the grape, and I'm a big fan of the wine. Uh, I'm an everyday guy, and it's been a week and a half now. I started late. It just occurred to me a few days late into January, but my complaint is this, and I've I actually mentioned this in, in days past when I've done this sort of thing. I feel a little better in the morning, but not much better. Just, I was hoping for a bigger difference. When I quit drinking, I gotta, I gotta say, that was one of my disappointments, is, <laughs> oh, okay, so some of this is just the way you feel in the morning. Yeah, especially uh, when you get up with the freaking dairy farmers. Or or if you eat, a, like, a really big meal and don't get a lot of sleep. Oh, mm. so you just eat a lot and stay up late? <laughs> you feel like this, too. Okay. Yeah. Dang it! <laughs> I thought I was gonna leap out of bed like I'm 19 years old! I was misled. Mailbag. Hey! Here's a freedom-loving quote of the day sent along by Sheldon, who is in Kabul, Afghanistan. You get a freedom-loving quote of the day suggestion from Kabul, you take it, in my book. Serving our our great country in one way or another, and and coming home at some point, please. But uh, Friedrich uh, von Hayek wrote, The principle that the end justifies the means is, in individual ethics, regarded as the denial of all morals. Right? But in collectivist ethics, it becomes necessary to the supreme rule. Well, that's interesting. Government, and particularly socialism, uh, you do that way in your own life? No. No, you don't say, but now I have $1,000. Yeah, but you stole it. You, you, you cheated people to get it. Yeah, right. but the important thing is now I have $1,000. Now I am equal to the other person who earned $1,000. Exactly. Uh, oddly enough, a couple of Hitler notes in mailbag today. Michael, we will we will mention you... Afghanistan later if you followed the news yesterday and uh, and bitch about it. But I mean, not we before we mention Hitler. Jump okay. back to yeah. you. Well, it's not, they're not listed in order of importance. Nazis. I don't want to. I don't want to drill mailbag because it makes me very upset thinking about Afghanistan. Okay. And, yeah. We, we will absolutely give it its due. So uh, this was sent along by. Oh, I clipped off the name somehow. Um, what the hell is Minecraft? Asked one Twitterer. I don't know what it is. My my kids are super into it. The answer is, it's Hitler's lesser-known second book about his love of knitting. (laughs) Not Mein Kampf, Minecraft. I'm not a fan of Hitler. The the comment tacked on is, this is what a good Hitler joke looks like. Yeah, that's a good Hitler joke. That is a pretty good Hitler joke. And then Christy points out... Uh, If I made the the one-sentence description of what Minecraft is, is it's digital Legos. Huh. It is, and it's it's way, way, way better and healthier for a lot of kids than a lot of things they stare at. It's yes. creative, it's imaginative, it's it's fun. Um, uh, Christy passes along the fact that we didn't know what Jojo Rabbit was when we were talking about the Oscar-nominated films, and she right. says it's one of the best movies she's ever seen. Wow. It's about a, a, a boy's imaginary friendship with Hitler. She writes, hard what? to think of anything with Hitler being remotely funny, but it is so well done. Oh, that genre. No, Michael, Michael, the Hitler ding is for using Hitler in an argument 
or a gratuitous mention of the Chancellor of Germany. It is not for a legitimate historical discussion or for the discussion of the plot of this movie. God, I'm so tired. If we're going to trust you with the Hitler ding, we gotta, you got to learn how to yield it. I'm sorry. Or wield it. Some people say, does the world need another superhero movie? I say, does the world need another kid whose childhood friend is Hitler movie? <laughs> another one? <laughs> I'm tired of the genre. I, I, I yes. have yet to see Jojo Rabbit. It's in my short list of things to see, largely because the director, Taika Waititi, I think is one of the best guys working. And if there is somebody who can pull off a comical version of this, oh, it's, it's comical. Yeah, oh, okay. it's, it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of geopolitics, William writes uh, on the topic of Europe and Iran and the United States. Europe will go with the United States until Muslims take over the European countries. You know, that may sound like a bigotry Ooh, wow. to some of the more woke crowd, but demographically, if, for instance, Britain ever became a Muslim-majority uh, country, yeah, the chances of them siding with Iran would skyrocket, oh. depending partly on the balance of Sunnis to Shia. Read Submission, one of my favorite books of all time, and seeing how that would go in France. I didn't laugh once reading that book. I thought it was a comedy. It's terrible. Uh, let's see. Do we have... Oh, uh, JT in, in beautiful Livermore, California says... Why is it that two of the most woke entities in the world are suffering from a lack of diversity? Democratic presidential field, almost exclusively uh, white men. Well, there are a couple of gals in there. Oscars, most self-satisfied social justice warriors on the planet. Similar ethnic and gender challenges. Mm. Some would say that's because we're so racist. The only reason why she should be that she's doing this that no one's talking about, it is harming the Bernie Sanders, the senator who is becoming into first place, who could win Iowa and propel himself to be the nominee. It's the exact same thing they did to him four years ago. Who's becoming his way into first place. Um, that, Kevin, putting aside the fractured syntax. That's the first person I've heard sign on to my conspiracy theory. Kevin McCarthy, who may be Speaker of the House after the next election, saying... An ironic title for him, but... How about this? How about maybe Nancy slow-walked the impeachment because she thinks Bernie or Elizabeth would be a disaster, and she wants them stuck in D.C. with an impeachment trial, which they are going to be, rather than campaigning every day, all day long, which has historically been mandatory to have a shot at winning Iowa. Let me offer, I don't think that's a crazy theory at all. Let me offer the counterpoint. Let me be the litigator for the other side. Nancy's brave quest for justice, which turned out to be just a publicity stunt trying to tell people that the Senate trial is fixed, that nobody's paying attention to, nobody really signed on to, it's going to have no effect. That that brave fight for justice just coincidentally is going to hogtie the socialist candidates at the most critical moments of the Iowa race. That's the alternate view, you know, the alternate story. When everybody, it? Republican and Democrat strategist, was saying, I'm not sure what she's doing, it might be this, but it's not working. Right. Everybody said, on both sides, nobody thought it was working. Right. Or doing a good idea, and everybody was like mystified. Yeah, it's, and everybody it's, pointed out how how it would screw the senators running for president. That was the, known by people who don't even follow politics. Yeah, I think it's actually the best explanation of what happened. On and keeping in mind, 
last time around, the Democratic Party screwed Bernie. Do you remember after Iowa and they announced it's very close, but it looks like Hillary Clinton has won Iowa. And they didn't release the numbers. And when the numbers finally came out a couple of days later, Bernie had won. Right. And he lost all that momentum and excitement you get from all the media coverage because they they cut that off. Which, by the way, quick aside, is an indictment of the media. Right. I mean, you but, lose by two tenths. But, you know. but they got the information from the Democrats, and so they they right. they screwed him on that. Sure. The, the debate questions, all that sort of different stuff that they did. So no, they did it before, and it's known. The fact that they do it this time is that surprising to anyone? Given the fact that acquiring and holding power is the only thing political parties care about. They don't care about you. They don't care about black America. They don't care about our standing in the world. They care about freaking nothing except gaining and holding power. Do you think it was like, oh my God, wait a minute, that's at the same time? The senators won't be able to, like I said, people don't follow politics have heard that. So the idea that they didn't realize it or thought, well, that's true and it will hurt our front runners' chances, but there's nothing we can do but continue our quest for justice. I mean, that's hilarious as well. The more I think about it, the more likely it seems. It's some interesting gamesmanship, I'll tell you that. Unless... Well, I get it from Nancy's point of view. She wants to so impugn the impeachment process at this point because she knows she has a loser. She wants to so tar it that people, you know, just hate Republicans by November. That's her strategy. But you'd think that the, you know, the DNC and the the front-running presidential candidates would have gotten to her and said, look, uh, I get it, but you're killing us here. How interesting. We'll you, say, think, you think if she had an ascendant rock star that looked like they could win the general like a Barack Obama, right? she'd have, she'd have done this and kept him out of Iowa? Him I, off I, the, I, no. I doubt it. No, but no anyway, way. No way. Um, that's enough of that. There's a debate tonight, and good luck. I hope you enjoy it, because <laughs> I won't be watching. Um, uh, the Attorney General, William Barr, has asked Apple to let them into the phones of that scumbag Saudi who shot some of our people down there in Florida. Do you remember that story? Right. We're, we're training up Saudis, and every once in a while they go jihadists on us and right. kill us. Yeah, and this guy was posting the social media and the rest of it. We have asked Apple for their help in unlocking the shooter's phones. So far, Apple has not given any substantive assistance. I love this story. I think I think it's so fascinating. Oh, yeah. The um, uh, I, I'm on the side of I like the fact that there are private companies and private uh, pieces of equipment that I can own that the government doesn't have access to. Yeah, uh, Apple says no back door, government, no way. On the other you hand... You can get in, get in, but we're not giving you the uh, the secrets. On the other hand, there's, ne- there's never been anything like this. There's never been a safe that nobody could open, uh, a, a trunk that the government couldn't get into no matter what. Right. We got the information in there on the Saudi, whether or not he's connected to other people, and there's going to be more murders and right. that, it's in the trunk. Sorry, we're not, we're not going to give you the keys to the trunk. They would have broken into the car, obviously. He might belong to uh, Saudi foreign exchange students bent on killing Americans, a Facebook group, you know, or, or whatever, a club. Um, and, and the information's there on his iPhone, but Apple will not give him the back door. And... and this is, this is a great... If I was teaching a college class, which my wife keeps telling me to do, and I keep saying, I'd rather play golf. Um, but if I were teaching a college, cla- college class, this is a brilliant opportunity to get the kids to think critically about security versus privacy, because it's such a tough one. 
What do you think the Supreme Court will say? It'll eventually be a Supreme Court decision, won't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm continually mystified and or horrified by what the Supreme Court says. I don't have any idea. Hmm. I, I sus. Oh my gosh. I suspect they will say that if there is a, a warrant of a certain kind. Oh, this is tough, man. You, you'd have to be more learned than me on the topic of um, of constitutional protections for privacy, because I'm just I'm thinking about the the responsibility of the third party. Can they be compelled to give you a key to the unbreakable safe when that key would allow you to get into every safe without a warrant Whenever in the you future? Want. I mean, it's 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 a complex Having one. Having just seen through the IG report how flimsy a reason the FBI can come up with to spy on you, right? To get the information, to, right. to to tap your phone or whatever they're going to do, right? And those of us who tend to think in big pictures about government, I mean, the the threat to human beings in general from uh, Saudi jihadis throughout history and going forward in history is pretty limited. The threat from an overreaching government that gets more and more controlling and more and more impressive, well, that has been that story's been written over and over again and, and has millions of corpses as its witness. That's the most likely way all stories end. So. Right. On the other hand, in terms of immediacy, yeah, it's about the uh, the Saudi jihadis. Okay, That's why it's so difficult. It's, I structured this poorly. I, 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 I pushed the fun to the end. I shouldn't have done that. I should have led with the fun. So the misery index. Oh, yeah. The uh, This is the latest study. They come out with these studies on a regular uh, basis on figuring out when you're the most miserable or the most happy. Sometimes. It's not helping my mood either. The misery index coming up annual. Can we do it every couple of years like the Olympics? The middle-age misery index. Um, so economists believe, looking at a whole bunch of different things, that misery in the United States for humans peaks at age 47.2. Mm. So if you're younger than that, well, I'm sorry. It's going to get worse from here. Yep. So a lot of you listening right now, you're thinking, oh, God. I thought things were bad. No. I'm 35. I feel like I'm under the gun. Oh, no. I'm not going to reach peak misery for a dozen years. (laughs) On the other hand, if you're uh, one of our listeners who's 48 or older, you're on the downhill side, there you go. A new study says the happiness curve exists all around the world. The most interesting thing is that it's in every country, regardless of... Um, you know, their culture, their system, their habits, that sort of stuff. It seems to be, it's right around there. It's slightly older for the rest of the world, 48. But it also doesn't matter life expectancy. Countries where life expectancy is much shorter. Wait a minute. You still reach peak misery at that age. That's astonishing. Yeah. What the heck? That's blowing my mind, man. Yep. Now, I will uh, say you're making one perhaps faulty assumption, though. Uh, on that 35-year-old, um, you're assuming a steady downward, uh, like, graph line toward misery at, at 47. It's possible you stay exactly the same happy the whole time, and then at age 47, the world just punches you right in the face, and your <laughs> happiness just plunges, uh, like, off a cliff. It is, and then you start climbing out. It's not, I don't know. it's not that, but it is closer to that. It's fairly flat. The climb to misery is fairly flat. Not very steep. You just get a little more miserable, a little more miserable as you go through your 30s Sounds and your 40s. Right. It does sound right. You know? It does sound right. Every year is just a little tougher than the one before it as you plow through your 30s and 40s right. headed right. toward 50. Oh, my that's God. Well, that's been exactly my experience. But uh, it Same is... job, same family, and now my knee hurts. <laughs> Welcome to middle age. 
Oh, that's funny. That might be your all-time winner. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But then around 47, 48, it is a precipitous drop in misery. Then it's a steep decline in misery to happiness, because this is a scale on misery's at the top. Oh, yeah. That's Um, a little confusing. Down down the mountain of misery back into happiness. Happy Valley. Happy Valley. There you go. (laughs) Welcome to Happy Valley, folks. So it goes pretty fast once you get to the other side of the misery. Misery and Happy Valley. Same job, same family, but now my knee hurts. <laughs> ah, what are you going to do? <laughs> but, hey, it beats the alternative. You know, I keep reminding myself of I that. I keep saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Whatever gets you through the night. Uh, anyway, uh, text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. I do want to talk about Afghanistan at some point. Another tragedy there yesterday, and how long are we going to do this? Good Lord. Um, and also... Uh, some sanctions on the Houston Astros. Oh, I'd say biggest in history. So that we got to talk about you that. Cheating cheaters. That's exciting. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Women were nominated for Best Director. Apparently, the only way to keep women safe in Hollywood is to not invite them. <laughs> wow, David Spade. Wow. Okay, kind of turned it there. Well, is that just going to be the rest of our lives for all award shows or all everything? In the first paragraph, after they tell us about the Oscar nominations, it's got to be no women of color were nominated in whatever category or something. Oh, yeah. Is that just part of life now? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, In every publication? It's fairly notable that no women were nominated for Best Director. I don't know what percentage of considered movies were uh, directed by women. I have no sense of that. I don't know. The, the biggest case for it would be Little Women, uh, directed by Greta Gerwig. Uh, it had a couple, uh, it was nominated for Best Picture, had a couple acting nominations, it had a, a couple other things. So the Academy clearly liked the movie enough to nominate it for all these other things. But you think because it's a bunch of old men? I don't even know that it actually is old men. Well, they don't like women? I mean, is that what I'm supposed to believe? I, I don't know. They're, they're, everybody wants to be seen. I mean, Hollywood is, is notorious. It's absolutely dripping with the desire to be seen as woke, and yet they intentionally didn't nominate women out of sexism. I don't. I just can't. I just don't buy it. No. They they would have a bias in the other direction. But uh, speaking of things that are enjoyable but don't really matter, uh, Major League Baseball, the Houston Astros have been hammered, uh, at least according to Major League Baseball sca- uh, standards, for s- using technology to steal signs in their home stadium. If you're not a big baseball fan. Uh, if a hitter knows essentially what pitch is coming, it is an advantage so enormous you can't even believe it. Well, and it, the, the, the thing that bothers me is it affects one of my favorite baseball seasons of all time. Right. That 2017 Astros run, I watched every game through the playoffs, staying up late. I was just loving that. Right. The comebacks, they just, you know, taking on the, the, the Giants with their low payroll. and their Jose, Jose Altuve, but, the little giant. <laughs> because they were cheating. Right. And we had the audio. Sean even played it for us. I remember back when this story broke, you can hear them whacking the bat against a trash can to signal the batter 
what pitch is coming. So right. it's, it, it happened. Exactly. And the uh, we also brought to you the some of their stars batting averages at home and away, which were, <laughs> there were huge differences, 100-point differences, which just doesn't happen. But anyway, so they're, they're, they're guilty as a dog. Um, Astros manager A.J. Hinch and general manager Jeff Luno were suspended for a year that from baseball. That doesn't seem like much to me. Like often happens with uh, these big companies, they they screw the heck out of people. Whether it's Wells Fargo or whatever financial, you know, whoever it is, and then they're they're fine. Is yeah, and they make that in a week. Uh, oh, I think you ought to get banned for life for this, knowingly cheating, making an entire season just there is no point in even paying any attention to it. Yeah, fact, that to, the what, to what Pete Rose did in his lifetime ban. Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. He he gambled on baseball, which I understand why they've got to forbid that, but he always bet to win, right? Didn't he? Or did they figure out? That's what they knows. say. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so uh, these two guys were suspended for a year, and the Astros were fined $5 million, which is pocket change for a Major League Baseball franchise. Both of those guys were then canned. As a fan or a player or a coach, I would make that trade. As a fan, I make that trade. Oh, we had that season, won the World Series? Okay, fine. Yeah. We lost our manager for a year, whatever. Astros forfeit their first and second round draft picks for the next two years. Now the backlash has begun. Oops, there's my backlash. Um, and I'm just getting hip to this. But this is from uh, Jeff Passan Pas- at ESPN. As the day rolled on, people around baseball pondered exactly what had happened. A less obvious version of the story emerged. It was also tidy, also clean, so carefully, carefully orchestrated, uh, etc. Um, like something the Houston Astros, ever lauded for their efficiency and ruthlessness, might concoct. Um, then they go through the fines, um, although they point out... The record fine, all of $5 million, couch, cu- couch cushion change for every owner in baseball. Um, blah, blah, blah. God, you're, you, as a player on that team, first of all, it was the most fun season you've ever played in. It made your career. You made so much money off of it. And then in the reverse, there are players that uh, got traded because their team lost, coaches that lost their jobs because they lost to the Astros. You get a one-year ban? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds um, like a vacation. Yeah, I won the World Series, okay. Yeah, and a lot of players and other teams are quietly, they were told to keep their mouths shut by Major League Baseball, but a lot of them are hinting rather broadly that they find it um, uh, pathetic and insufficient. Sounds like an incentive to cheat to me. That's what I'll get, that's my punishment if we win the World Series and figure out a way to cheat, okay. Well, keep in mind, if you you get a top-notch starting pitcher, from free agency right now. It will probably cost you $25 million a year for that pitcher. And the fine for cheating your way to a championship, and I mean, if you're raising your key hitter's batting averages, I can't remember, but it was like an average of 45, 50 points at home. That was the average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that might be a little low. If you're doing that and you're winning the league championship with all the money and the bonuses and the merch and the rest of it, some of which is shared, but um, and all it costs you is a couple of draft picks and five million dollars. Every team in baseball is going to be installing those cameras in their scoreboards, and in fact, they're doing it right now. There are electricians working around the clock. Oh, yeah, you have to take it further than my list. Not only would the players, 
the managers and the fans make that trade. How about the TV networks, the owners? How about in Houston, all those advertisers? Hey, cheat again. That was awesome. Right. I sold 500 Fords that month right. running commercials during your baseball games when everybody in town was watching. In fact, we're uh, we're absolutely ready to uh, renew that contract if you can assure us there is a camera in the scoreboard. Right, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. Uh, $5 million is the highest fine allowed. In Major League Baseball bylaws. Yeah, but you could punish... I think if you punish the players and the managers, like, you don't get to play in this league again. You you can't cheat like that. You're out. I think that would send a message. Or you just hit them with a bat. I don't know if people would risk that. Yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Or you hit them with a bat. Kanan. That'd be a weird way to punish You get the disappointed Dodgers, who lost, I think, twice to the Astros. Uh, You give them bats and say, all right, you got five minutes. I'm sorry. What am, what am I in the Taliban in We're this scenario? Turn the cameras off. And, uh, Barbaric. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. How about you get the, the your best pitcher gets to throw balls at them and they're just standing in the corner? Yeah, I played that game when I was a kid. Oh, geez. <laughs> Tennis balls usually though. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. Drill your buddy right in the back. <laughs> that's a fun and game. Maybe you fight, maybe you don't, or you miss them, and then they get their shot. Right, exactly. <laughs> when do I get my shot, Tommy? <laughs> that's what I would say as an eight-year-old. When do I get my shot? All right. Who wouldn't make that deal to win a World Series right and have now. all that fun right now? Heck yeah, right now. Five million? Are you kidding? <laughs> I can't get like a utility infielder who hits two twenty five for five million dollars. Please, that's interesting. Wow! And the number of viewers and listeners for our games all season long and through the playoffs in the World oh, Series, yes. and then the next year, oh, and all please. the jerseys sold and everything. You would I... make that up in additional hot dog sales for having a winning team yeah. easily. Armstrong and Getty.